Hey, podcast friends. It's Kaylee. And Vanessa. And we're back with another episode of The Struggle is Real. Because we know the struggle to talk about mental health and be mentally healthy is real. All right, so before the break, we gave you a little bit of a hint that we were going to be talking about physical health and mental health. We are super excited because we have Madeline Gears with us today, and she is going to be talking all about the very, very scientific reasons that physical activity is great for your mental health. Hello. Okay, Madeline, who are you, and why do you know so much about exercise and mental health? I am a PhD candidate in kinesiology from the University of Saskatchewan, and I'm also a PhD student in clinical psychology here at Queen's. My research is concerned about why we're active, what motivates us to be active, and how psychological factors interact with physical activity. In other words, I look at how, how you think and how you feel about physical activity makes you more likely to be active. Well, that's really perfect because that's exactly what we want to talk about today. So can you tell us more about how exercise actually impacts our mental health? Why is there a connection here? We have to think about the mind and body as being related to each other. They evolve together throughout history and what we do to our body interacts with our mind. So they aren't two distinct entities. When we're active, two things happen. The first is that in our brain, we experience beneficial changes in our hormone levels that are associated with um, happiness and de-stressing effects, being the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have less stress. You have less stress mm-hmm. in your brain. That's something everyone wants. It is a good thing, definitely. Um, and in our body, um, it also reduces stress and the stress hormones in our bloodstream, which brings down our stress levels, makes us feel more calm. There's also some more psychological factors associated with physical activity. So you increase your confidence levels, you increase your self-esteem, you have these really beneficial social experiences where you're interacting with people in gyms or in teams, and you're often getting outside into fresh air and just taking a break from the world. Okay, so you just touched upon one of our favorite things, evolution. (laughs) The thing that's real no matter what you say. Yeah. Um, Will you tell us a little bit more about the evolution of our physical health and our mental health? Yeah. So we have to think about the way that animals in general evolved. So unlike fungi and plants and pond scum, we move around. Oh, don't be mean to pond scum. (laughs) Everyone loves the pond scum. They get such a bad rap. I know. It's kind of cute, though. It floats there. It's pretty. But unlike pond scum... Human beings evolved to move around. So we don't sit stationary. We don't let nutrients and sunlight come to us. We actually go out in search of things. And because of this, because our bodies and our survival depends on movement, our nervous system and our brains totally evolved with movement in mind. So there's big chunks of our brain, like the motor cortex and the sensory cortex. that Fancy are science all... words. <laughs> Fancy science words. So the areas of our brain responsible for movement and our areas of the brain responsible for seeing and touching and feeling and hearing all evolved with movement in mind. So we see things to orient ourselves in space, and those send information to the motor areas of our brain that tell us what direction we want to move in, how we want to approach things or run away from things. So when we think about how the brain evolved, it's really for this orientation in space and how we move about our environment. So our, our bodies and our brains are really movement machines. That's what we're there for. 
So because of this, the way that our brains and our bodies work is it's geared towards movement. And we get these rewards by being active. So are the endorphins, which are feel-good chemicals in our body, start to activate when we're active, which is great. It's this reward for going out and moving and doing things. And historically, in evolutionary times, um, this would have been hugely beneficial to our ancestors. So a caveman, for instance, is able to move and they're able to get a reward for going out and finding food or hunting down prey. Now, if you fast forward to today, we don't need to move as much. We have cars, we have segways. We um, have Netflix. We have Netflix <laughs> and we have takeout. Yes. So we don't need to go hunting down food. And even though physical activity isn't as important as it is today in terms of survival, we're still living with bodies that evolved 10,000 years ago and are geared towards movement. So even though we don't need to move to survive these days, we <laughs> actually need to move to survive because it's important for our physical health. It's also hugely important for our mental health because our brain are, our brains are movement machines. So there's three ways that physical activity and exercise can impact our health. One is health promotion, one is disease prevention, and one is treatment. So in terms of health promotion, that just means making people feel better. It's a positive thing that happens to us. So even people without mental health problems can benefit from physical activity for mental health. It gets you out, it gets you active and socializing, it gives you these endorphin rushes which make you feel good, and it also improves your attention and your memory and your learning. In terms of disease prevention, we know that people who are physically active are less likely to develop anxiety and depression. And it also can be preventative for Alzheimer's disease, which is great. Mm -hmm. So cool. something to keep in mind 50 or 60 years down the road. <laughs> so we know that physical activity does prevent Alzheimer's disease. And it's actually one of the most powerful prevention tools that we have. It's really, really cool. And our last one in terms of treatment Physical activity can be just as effective, if not more effective, than medications and cognitive behavioral therapy on preventing and reducing depression and anxiety in people. In fact, in people who have treatment-resistant depression, which means depression that isn't affected by CBT and isn't affected by medication, physical activity can make them feel better. Wow. wow. Exercise can affect the way that we think as well. One way it does it is by changing an area of the brain called the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is a little area that's associated and very important when it comes to learning and memory. And there's new research linking it to creativity. Cool. Which is kind of cool. So the more so, active you are, the more the part of your brain that does creativity and things like that. Exactly. Okay. So there's a lot of evidence showing that when you're active, your hippocampus is stimulated, which means that you're remembering things better, you're hmm. learning things better, you can be more creative, though this is new research, <laughs> and um, you experience increases in focus and attention, and you're able to pay attention to things a lot better. That is super cool. I guess that's why you, we always had recess when we were little kids. <laughs> totally. And it's a big thing that's happening in school these days, where they're paying attention to the what the data is saying. Oh. So you now have active classrooms where kids are encouraged to ride mm. bikes in the classroom or use um, Swiss medicine balls or take walking breaks or jumping jack breaks right in the wow. middle of the day because it helps them with their learning. Are we sure they're not just like using kids to like power the school or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> on those bikes? If you hook up enough kids to the like a treadmill system, it would be a great <laughs> renewable energy resource. So this is the future of energy in our it country. Is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so we know that if you do some physical activity, you're going to feel good. Can you tell us a little bit about when you're struggling with your mental health, what kind of physiological effects do we see? Uh, generally, what we see is a decrease in physical activity. So if you're depressed and if you're anxious and if you're just feeling yucky, you're going to not be engaging as much in the community, which means that your physical activity level is going to go down. 
So what we see is that people who are active have lower rates of depression, they're less likely to develop depression and lower anxiety overall. Okay, so probably based on what you're saying, exercise has a very clear uh, impact on our mental health. Is there like a magic number? Like how do I know how much exercise or activity I need? Like how do I know I'm doing it right? There's actually a lot of work on how much is enough and how much you need for health. The magic number that's come up through Canadian reviews, American reviews, and World Health Organization reviews is 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity per week. Okay. Which is about 2% of your total time every single week. Oh, so man, it's not that, a lot. It seems really long. <laughs> it, does, it does. So the good news is you don't have to do the 150 minutes all at once. Okay, you good. can do it in 10-minute chunks, which is about what you do over your coffee break. And you can do it throughout the week. So it doesn't all have to be at the same time. And in fact, it's probably better for you to space it out. You want to do it in chunks and you want to do it consistently throughout the week rather than being a weekend warrior and doing two and a half hours of activity on Saturday mornings. And so. help me understand why that's the case. Why is that better? It's kind of like healthy eating. So if you were to want to get a lot of vegetables in throughout the week, yeah, you could eat all your vegetables <laughs> on one day. You could. It's possible. You could eat all your vegetable doses on a Saturday and you could spend the rest of your week eating pizza. And french fries. And french fries. French fries. Wait, wait, wait. Pizza and fries. You're not supposed to do that? No, no. <laughs> Um, and it's possible, but we know that it's probably better for you if you space those vegetables out throughout the entire week because then you're eating healthier overall. Just like with activity, yeah, you can do it all in one bout, but if you space it out and create this active, active lifestyle rather than just this intense bout once a week, mm. it's going to benefit you a lot more. Does that mean that we would see the uh, impacts of exercise on mental health more continuously throughout the week instead of just seeing it like the day after we exercise? Definitely. Um, when we exercise, our body releases endorphins, which are feel-good chemicals. So if we're exercising once a week, mm. we're going to get that endorphin surge once a week. But if we break it up into a bunch of 10-minute intervals throughout the week, every 10 minutes, we're going to feel a little bit better. It's like giving yourself a present every day. Exactly. I like that. And so seeing the benefits on our mental health, is this something that people would experience right away? Do they have to give it like a week, a two weeks? When are they going to get the reward? When do I get my reward? I want <laughs> <Yeah>. a treat. <laughs> you do get it immediately because after you do exercise, you do get this endorphin rush. So you get this like quick, fast acting present. But that's a one-off. So to get these long-term results, we want to be doing this regularly on a regular basis, more days than not, to see these long-standing results. Again, just like eating food, it's great if we eat an apple once, but we want to be eating an apple every single day to be healthy. One apple probably isn't going to affect our health significantly, even though every little bit helps. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they I'll be active, I guess. It makes a lot of sense. All the evidence is really solid. The science, the science the is really there. Yeah, we have, we have to listen to the science. No, that's great. That's really great. How does a person actually start being active? How can they incorporate this into their schedule, especially if they're struggling with their mental health? That's the tricky question. And if you can answer that, you'll probably win the Mobile Prize. Because there's scientists, <laughs> scientists that are all over the world trying to figure out why people aren't active like they should be mm -hmm. and what stops them from being active. And there seems to be a lot of things. For a lot of people, physical activity is tough. If you aren't in shape and suddenly you're told, like, okay, you should probably go work out, it hurts. Like, it's not fun because you're breathing hard and your muscles are sore the day after. And it could be embarrassing if you're the one at the gym who's not in shape. So mm. there's other things like costs and time and 
knowledge and not having a good pair of running shoes and they can all stand in the way of us being active. Mm. So the most important thing I think is to find something that you love to do. And sometimes it takes some experimenting. So you might have to try volleyball one week and field hockey the next week and rock climbing one week and rollerblading. But eventually you're going to find something that you absolutely love to do. And as soon as you find that, it's going to be a lot easier to be active because it's not a chore anymore. It's something that you love. It becomes a hobby. So it's my first piece of advice is not being afraid to experiment and actually going out and trying things. Once you find something that you really, really love to do, it's important to take it baby step by baby step. So you don't go from a couch potato to running a marathon overnight. You do horrible, horrible things to your body. It's not recommended. So what you want to do is increase slowly in time and in intensity. So you might start off with maybe a two-minute walk around your neighborhood one week. And then the week after that, you do a four-minute walk around your neighborhood. And the week after that, you do an eight-minute walk around your neighborhood, working your way up to a 10 or 15-minute walk. And then you might go from being lightly active, so just sort of a gentle walk to something that's more like a brisk walk, like you were chasing after a bus. And then you might want to try jogging, and then you might want to try sprinting and building up a little bit, a little bit over time. So I think the most important thing to remember is that exercise should be fun. It shouldn't be painful. If your body's in pain, it's not a good thing. You're pushing yourself way too hard, and you could be injured. And it doesn't have to be extreme. Like a lot of the stuff that we see on the media is that you have to be running till you puke and you have to be like super, super fit and doing push-ups and sit-ups and CrossFit and going all out for two hours a day, twice a day and live and breathe fitness. And that's such an extreme view. It's not really what physical activity is about. It's about incorporating more movement into your life day to day in a way that you enjoy. Awesome. I think that falls in line with a lot of things that we talk about in that, you know, just because everyone's doing yoga doesn't mean that you have to go out and do yoga. Just to find things that you like to do and just own it and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yoga is not for everyone. I hate volleyball. (laughs) You will never see me play volleyball, but I love rowing. So it's really finding something that you enjoy. All right, so something we like to talk about a lot, because it's really funny, is shooting all over yourselves. And can you talk a little bit about how people should all over themselves when it comes to physical activity? We definitely tend to expect more of ourselves than we are able to do, especially in physical activity, especially at New Year's. New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I mean, you think, okay, I'm going to go to the gym every single day. I'm going to work out. I'm going to look great. In about two weeks' time, I'm going to lose 75 pounds. It's going to be amazing. And then you realize, you know what? It's cold. You're tired. You're sore. You haven't had enough time time to recover you really really don't like running on the treadmill Mm -hmm. and you fall off the bandwagon and it happens all the time more than half of people will stop exercising within the first six weeks of starting so it's not an uncommon experience to stop because you get frustrated and tired and things pop up and exercise is hard it does take time it does take effort and when you have 50 other things happening in your life like classes and family and friends and wanting to go see that new harry potter movie (laughs) big priority big priority big priority and these things do take priority over going Mm -hmm. to the gym, especially if you aren't enjoying going to the gym. So there's two things that we can do to make ourselves more likely to succeed. One is setting small, realistic goals. So these are things that are manageable, that are important to you, and that you've planned and put some thought into. So it's making sure that the goal has structure, essentially. And then part two of it is coming up with a plan B. Because things are going to happen. You're going to miss a session. You're going to have something pop up. You're going to be sick one day. You might be injured one day. So always having a plan B in your back pocket so that you have an alternative to fall back on if something happens. So let's say you have a flat tire on your way to yoga class. Well, maybe you could do a yoga video at home when you get back in the evening instead. Or maybe 
you know, you have a date one night and it's okay to say, okay, well, this is going to be a one-off occasion. I'm going to skip my workout today. What can I do tomorrow instead? And you probably often find that when people don't have this backup plan or they miss something or they're not, they found fall off the bandwagon essentially, hmm. is that they're a big jerk to themselves about it. Totally. <laughs> totally. You start to hate yourself and say, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing horribly. I missed one. I've totally slipped mm -hmm. off. I'm a bad athlete. It shows that I'm not able to do this. And you really mm -hmm. start to beat yourself up. So it's having the self-compassion side of it. So accepting the fact that, you know what, this is a human slip. It happens to absolutely everyone. You can't let it define you. You just have to move on. What are some of the big myths that you've come across doing this research? Uh, number one, no pain, no gain, <laughs> which is total bogus. So the idea is, is that you have to be in physical or emotional pain to get something out of exercise. <laughs> if you're not crying, you're not doing exactly. it right. It's very much a Jillian Michaels approach. So... <laughs> And we don't know. You should never, ever, 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 ever hurt when you're doing physical activity. Um, of course, as you get better at physical activity and you become more accustomed to how your body feels, you're going to start to know when you can challenge your body and challenge your body well. So if I'm doing squats at the gym, I know just enough weight needs to go on the squat for my body to have just that little bit of more resistance and challenge myself a bit more. But there's a big difference between pushing that little bit extra weight and loading on 20 or 30 pounds beyond my limit or continuing to do squats even after something's snapped in my knee and it's not feeling right. Um, same with cardio. If you're running to the point where you're vomiting and passing out, it's not good. We don't ever want exercise to hit that point because it's not good for you and it's not good for your body. And ultimately, it's not making it fun if you're in that state. Right. And that must really destroy the benefits of exercising on your mental health. Totally. Totally. Because if it's not fun, why are you doing it? So. Mm -hmm. Um, myth number two, you should be eating energy drinks and energy bars and all those fancy energy foods before or after you work out. Gross. Which is, yeah, they, they are kind of gross tasting. Um, unless you're an intense cardio workout athlete person, you tend not to need all these fancy supplements. One, they're expensive. Two, a lot of them haven't been tested. And three, most people aren't working out at the intensity where their body actually needs it. As long as you have a nice, well-balanced diet, you don't need to be investing in all these foods. Myth number three, you need to be in shape to go to the gym, which is total bogus, of course. The idea to go to the gym is to get in shape. You don't need to be in shape as a requirement for membership. So just show up, have confidence, mm -hmm. which is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> we have myths about whether or not you should be doing cardio mm. or weightlifting or flexibility and how much of each that you need. And generally what we say is that you need to focus on those 150 minutes of cardiovascular activity, which is going to be the type of activity that's good for your heart. So it'll be like running and swimming and rollerblading and going for walks and playing rugby and touch football, all those activities that got your heart pumping. Now on top of those 150 minutes, if you want to incorporate strength training or flexibility training, like lifting weights or doing yoga, that's great. That's bonus though. We really want to focus on your heart. So it's really this cardio exercise that's going to have the best impact on your mental health. Yeah, mental health and physical health. Interesting. Definitely, because that's the stuff that releases those endorphins. All right, so what do you think is the most important thing that everyone should know about the connection between physical and mental health? I think most important is that there actually is a connection between the two. We tend to think of our mental health and our physical health as being completely distinct from each other. So I have a healthy mind, which is separate than my healthy body, and the mm. two don't interact. 
But what we know from physical activity research is that there's actually a lot of connections between the two. So having a healthy body, being active, has a significant effect on how you're feeling about yourself. And just like how you're feeling about yourself can affect how active you are. So the two are co hand in hand completely and we can't separate one from the other. Another really important thing to know is just to try. Um, physical activity is huge, it's diverse, and you're never going to know what you like and what you really, really enjoy doing unless you go out there and actually give it a shot. So you don't need a lot of equipment, you don't need a lot of money, you just need that little bit of motivation to get out there and give it a shot. So even if I am convinced that exercising is the greatest thing since sliced bread and I've decided this is something that I should do, when I'm lying in bed and I'm feeling really crappy, what are some things I can actually tell myself to help myself really actually get out of bed and get out there and do these things? What, like, what are some things I can tell myself? I think that's a struggle most people have when they're being active. Even people who have really bought into it and they're regularly out and running around, it's really hard to put on your shoes and actually get out the door. So one thing that I tell myself is how great I'm going to feel when it's all finished and I'm back home and I'm sweaty and just feel wonderful. I think about that great feeling that I'm going to have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not enough to get you out the door. So it's great to enlist friends and families for support. So if you have a roommate, if you have a sibling, if you have a parent, if you just know someone randomly from the gym, Give them a phone call and arrange to go for a walk together or go arrange to go for a workout together because if you know that someone's there waiting for you at the park or at the gym, you're going to show up because you don't want to let them down either. It's kind of a tricky way of getting you there, but it works. One thing that I find really helpful is I'll make these like almost little deals with myself and be like, <laughs> okay, just put on your workout clothes. That's all you have to do. Just put them on. Just put mm -hmm. them on. And once I get them on, and be, I'll say, all right. Just, just put on your shoes and go outside and walk around the block and then you can come home and then once I get out there I feel a little bit better and I'm like, go for five minutes. And if then it doesn't seem so insurmountable to do the entire workout. Oh, totally. Yeah, baby steps. Mm -hmm. It's huge, huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes so. the baby step isn't even walking two minutes, it's putting on some clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And it works. And hey, if it works, then it's great. What other people do is um, make sure that they have their gym bag packed in advance. Mm. So if they know that they're going to be at school and they'd otherwise have to go home to get changed in their gym gear, I mean, by the time you get home, it's the end of the day, you're tired, and you have lots of things to do. So if you have the gym gear with you, you can just go to the gym straight on the way back. You don't have the extra step that you have to worry about, which is a great way to do. Yeah, if you just, like, take out the decision part of it. Mm, like, my yeah. favorite person in the world, Tony Harden, because he has such a good attitude. <laughs> um, he said that if you have a decision of whether to work out or to not work well, you're always going to choose not to work out if you give yourself the choice. So just do it. Don't yeah. give yourself the choice. And there is an evolutionary basis to that as well. Because we think of us going through as our cavemen. It was beneficial for us to preserve energy if we didn't have mm. to spend it. If it's mm. a natural selection solution where maybe two or three berries worth of energy is you surviving or dying, you know, we want to save that energy. We don't want to waste needless energy. So evolutionarily, even though we have all these benefits that come along with being active, we also have this pressure to have us like stay at home and watch Netflix all day because it's also evolutionary beneficial. Interesting. That's, that's why I want to do it every day. That's, not because totally I'm lazy. Why. It's because no, it's evolution, evolution is telling me to do it. Yeah. So what we get this from this is that when you're like, no, I don't feel like doing this. I, I don't want to work out today. You need to be like, shut up, evolution brain. Back off. Yeah, caveman. Get out of my way. Totally. You're living in the past. <laughs> Other tips for getting active? Yeah. Sure. Signing up for a class, especially if you are entirely new to it and you've never worked out, or at least you haven't worked out since like grade eight gym class, sign up for a class at your local community center. 
They're often about $40 to $50, but you can also get drop-in ones for cheaper. And you're going to have an instructor there who's certified, who knows what they're doing, and they can walk you through it. And the great thing about this as well is that you don't have to put any thought. You just have to show up, and someone already has a plan for you. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about what you're doing that day. Your instructor knows. Well, thank you so much, Madeline, for being on, on our podcast today. It was so insightful and amazing. And I guess now I will have to work out. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'll listen to evolution, though, and be lazy. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do that. As always, we have a challenge for you. I hope you fought that bear and you won. That would have been great. But your challenge for today is to start those baby steps. Figure out what you like to do. Try some new things. And just practice putting on your workout clothes, packing that bag, taking two-minute walk around the block. Absolutely. So we know that we're going to try and aim for that 150 minutes a week, but maybe for you it's just going to be 10 minutes this week, and maybe that's something that we're going to work up to. Amazing. All right. Well, good luck with that, and thanks for tuning in for this week. We know the struggle to talk about mental health, and be mentally healthy is real. But hopefully after today, it's a little bit easier. 